0: Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You're awesome, God. You are awesome. You are awesome. Yeah, I want to share s- some this morning. I to go and my, this might be difficult on the guys in the back. You're going to have to pay attention because I'm going to go a little different direction. But… Um, you know, there was uh, one of the things that, that the last thing that Jesus did when he was with his disciples was on the Mount of Olives after, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, and after he had spent 40 days with them. And he was meeting with his disciples for the last time on the Mount of Olives. And it's, I mean, it, what an amazing thing. It's 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 it says that he, he, he was there with about 500 of his followers on the Mount of Olives. And um, they were, I'm sure they were sitting there looking, still amazed at the wounds in his body, still amazed at the, the glory that was on him. The resu- he was different than he was before his crucifixion and resurrection. He was in his glorified state. And the last thing he told him, he said, there's... Um, he says, it's, "I'm going to go away," but he says, "Not many days from now, you're going to receive what he called the promise of my father." This is why I came. You know, in order to understand the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, all the 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 the, the, the crux of the whole message of the Bible is the Father's blessing, or what Jesus called the promise of the Father. And he said, "You're going to receive." The, the fulfillment of, of my, the Father's promise to me. The Father made a promise to me. Now, this is Jesus, the Son of God. He said, the Father made a promise to me. The Father made a promise to me. This promise, he said, if, if, if I would... Now, this is... He's, he's opening up something from eternity. He said, but before there was a creation, before we created the heavens and the earth, the Father and I entered into a solemn agreement relationship a covenant and he he, he we, we 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 knew what was going to take place after our plan of creation we knew that, that mankind would fall away and the lord made a he had a plan in place before there was a creation and the plan was a promise to his son son if you'll become part of this race of human beings if you'll become one of them and walk among them and take their place, and pay the price of their rebellion against us, and die as their substitute, then I will give you a promise. And this promise will be as I will give you a a remnant, a portion of this fallen race that will be yours. They'll be ours, sons and daughters. And they'll receive, not only will they be saved for eternity, and not only will their sins be forgiven, but they'll be given the, this special blessing. This special blessing, which is what Jesus was praying about in John 17. They, you will receive this special blessing, which is the, the intimate relationship that Jesus enjoyed with his Father from eternity. That's what was purchased for us. Oh, it's much more than everlasting life, even though we were giving everlasting life. I don't, I don't know about you, but there's, there's some days I wish it would have been shorter than they were. <laughs> Anybody had one of those days you wish this day would just get over with? Can you imagine a day like that that lasts forever? <laughs> you know, it's kind of a little bit of what hell's going to be like. So it's not just everlasting life. It's life itself. It's life as Jesus knows it. It's the life that Jesus has enjoyed with his Father from eternity. It's life in the Father's house. It's joy unspeakable. It's intimacy with God. It's a relationship beyond anything we could ever begin to understand in earthly terms. It's better than our our greatest hopes or greatest expectations. And it begins now when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We catch the edges of it now, the foretaste of what's coming. It's the promise of the Father. It's the Father's blessing. It was pictured when, when um, Abraham laid his hands on Isaac. It was pictured when Isaac laid his hand on Jacob. It was pictured when Jacob prophesied over his sons and gave them blessings. He began to bless them and tell them about the blessing of God. It's a picture of that, but but the fulfillment of it is when Jesus, our Jacob, when Jesus put, played his hands upon us and poured his oil upon us, and we receive this incredible promise of the Father. You're going to receive this promise of the Father, what John the Baptist called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. He says, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high till you receive this promise of the Father. You see, this um this is not just for them. This is this is what the Bible's all about. From cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. It's not just part of it or a side issue, or oh, you know, you know, Brother Frank, he's always about speaking in tongues. That's it's not just my pet duck. This is This is what the Bible is about. This is what it's about. It's about intimacy with God. It's about regaining what we lost in the garden. It's being brought back into our Father's house. It's about knowing God personally and intimately and enjoying His blessings beginning now and seeing the fulfillment of it as we step in to the other sides. The blessing of the Father, the promise of the Father. It's awesome. You know, in... um, 1994, January of 1994, there was a, an outpouring. You know, it was all over the earth. You know, we experienced it in August of 94, began here in August of 94. But in January of 94, it, it hit a church in Toronto, Toronto Airport Church, pastored by John Arnott. And um, it became, it, bec- it, it attracted the media. The media attention happened up there. And they began to experience, you know, joy unspeakable, incredible overwhelming manifestations and visitations of the presence of God. And they started to have, through their relationships, people started coming from Europe, from the Anglican church. And within a matter of weeks and months, Europe was being swept into an incredible visitation. It was shocking how sudden and how powerful it was. The media called it the Toronto blessing. But um, the pastor, John Arnott, said, Oh, no, this is not the Toronto blessing. He said, This is the Father's blessing. (laughs) This is the Father's blessing. This is, this is the promise of the Father. This is, this is Pentecost it's being experienced by modern-day people. This is the power of God's presence visiting us. Well, a similar thing had happened. There had been a number of people from the church in um, Assembly of God Church, First Assembly of God in Brownsville, Florida, had um, a number of their leadership team had visited Toronto. The pastor's wife had visited Toronto. A lot of their, their, their members of their church had visited Toronto. And, and they had a, a guest speaker that happened to come there by the name of Steve Hill. He came in Father's Day of 1995 and visited their church. And they had a visitation in their church. God began to pour out his spirit in June of 1995 at the Brownsville Assembly of God Church. And God visited that church and literally millions of people over the next 10 years visited that church being touched by the move of the Holy Ghost. is was incredible. God, it's like God set up these little, these revival centers where people would come. And, and our, our church was, it was hit in a different way. It began to affect our church as a church. And in rather than a revival center, it was a church experiencing the move of the Holy Ghost. And it began to be expressed in, in our ministries, in our changed lives, and in our outreach, and in the things that we did with Feed the Multitudes, and f- Beyond the Grave, and, and all the other multiple things that we've done. But the whole crux of that whole thing was the promise of the Father, the blessing of God coming upon our lives. Now, I want to share with you this morning a, a short, i want to read a story to you from the greatest of all storytellers. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. No man ever spake like that man. That's what they said about him. They tried to go arrest him. They sent the, 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 the temple police, sent, were sent to go, um, the, the Pharisees, the head Pharisees, the high priests sent the temple police. Can you imagine? Temple police. So they sent the temple police to go arrest Jesus. And they came back without him. And they said, why didn't you arrest him? They said, no man ever spake like this man. Yeah. Yeah. We, can't, we couldn't arrest him. He looked at us and he spoke with authority. We couldn't arrest this guy. It's impossible. So here's him telling one of his stories in Luke chapter 15. One of the greatest stories of all time. This is a story, we call it the prodigal son. I wanna, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, one of the, the keys to reading the Bible is every time you read it, you read it for the first time. If you think, oh, I've heard that story, and you start looking through your email or something, you're you you're missing God totally. This can this can be a major visitation as God speaks to you from this incredible, incredible story that's filled with level after level after level of revelation. It's inc- what a, what a powerful story from God! But anyway, it starts like this: a certain man had two sons. Now, in the story, the man represents the heavenly father. And the two sons represented the people that were in, in his audience that day. There was two basic types of people. There were the Pharisees, that were the religious leaders, and they were they were had an, uh, had a, a form of godliness without the power of God. They believed in the Bible, but they they were they were they were hypocrites. They were um, um, they were all about rules and regulations, and they'd forgotten about mercy and forgiveness. And, the, and, and, and restoration. And then you had the, the prostitutes, the thieves, and the crooks They were hoping against hope that they could find help through this, this preacher. And these were the two people in the crowd, and so this, this story that Jesus told represented the, the father and represented the, the publicans and the sinners and represented the Pharisees. The elder brother was the Pharisee and the, and the, the younger brother was the, was the sinners. So he says, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And what he's saying is, I want my inheritance. I want it now. I don't want to wait till you die. I don't want to, you know, I, I, the only thing you're worth to me is what you can give me. I don't want to be in your house. I don't want to be with you. Just give me my portion of my inheritance and give it to me now. And this, so that's what the father said, okay. So Father gave him the portion of goods that fell to him. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. You know, the way, the way you can imagine this is, this is kind of like the wayward freshman that went away to college. <laughs> that first time out from underneath the father's house, he thought he was the first one to discover keggers and, and girls. So when he had spent all, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. So he, he went didn't take him long. He spent all the father's inheritance. Now this father was a wealthy man. He had lands. He had servants. And he gave the portion to his son. It was a, quite a large sum. And he wasted it all with a party lifestyle. And then he, he went into... He, he hired himself out to, to, another, to another farmer. And when he... Had, he um, it says he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him to the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. But no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now this is the most incredible story. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. And therefore his father came out and pleaded with him, and so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. Oh, really? (laughs) And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours, Son, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and now is found. You know, I um, was thinking about this story last week, and it reminded me, reminded me of what took place in the 70s in America. You know, there was a, a, a plague on the generation, on my generation that came out of the 60s, a plague of, of debauchery, of hopelessness, of godlessness, we, we forsook the God of our fathers, and we began to go after the gods of this world. We began to delight ourselves in drunkenness, in promiscuity, and in substance abuse. It was, a, it was a horrible, horrible season. It birthed a horrible season in our country out of the, the drug revolution. But in the midst of that, in the, in the height of it, the Lord, the Lord did the most amazing thing. He began to raise up across the country simultaneously, across the country spontaneously. He began to call into his father's house some of these derelicts. People that, like myself, that had been on drugs and alcohol, substance abuse, whatever, all, the, all, all of the above. Suddenly, we began to have incredible encounters, supernatural encounters with God in many diverse ways. And people began to come to Christ. And before you know it, there was hundreds and thousands of people my age began to come into the churches. With, still with their long hair and their beard and their weird culture. But it was a shocking thing that began to take place. It was a moment of awakening in my generation. Many, many of the pastors that have pastored over this last 20 years were the the fruit of that Jesus revolution, of that revival. Men, Men that were lost without hope and had an experience with God and were born again. You know, I have a feeling... I have a feeling, just as, you know, we could, we could call that the, the prodigal generation. God called his prodigal sons home and threw a party for them. Began to throw a supernatural party of charismatic renewal and charismatic outpouring. Supernatural outpourings like our country had not seen in many, many, many years. Another generation has gone by. There's a generation today filled with with. Young men and women that have never experienced the move of God, that are without hope and without God. We, we have another godless generation that's in our country today. My, my brothers and sisters, don't be surprised when the Lord himself begins to suddenly and unexpectedly begin to throw another party for the prodigal generation. It might look different than anything you'd ever expect before. You see, that, that visitation that came in the 70s began to mark where those churches were going to go because many of the churches, many of the churches would not embrace these young people as they begin to come in. They were singing different songs, they were wearing different clothes. The least they could do, my Lord, is get a shave and a haircut or something, you know. But they weren't shaving and they weren't getting haircuts, but they were coming to church. They were coming with their shorts and their tennis shoes and their sandals and their long hair, and the stuffy people, the elder brothers, just had to deal with it or kick them out. Don't be surprised, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when people that don't look like you, that don't talk like you, that don't even smell like you, begin to show up with an encounter with God. And, 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 and you think, well, you, what, is that, what is that strange music and dancing in my father's house? You know, there's people today that have been away for 10 or 15 years. They come back. They come back and, I don't understand. I don't like these songs they're singing now. Why don't we sing those songs we were singing back in 1983? It was good for 83. It's not, if you haven't figured it out, look at your calendar. This is not 1983. So anyway, I have a feeling. Now, let's let's just, let's take this back a few minutes here. I want to talk to you just, to, just for a moment about this, about this story and about this father. This father, what an incredible father. What an incredible father. I was recently reading um, Matthew Henry's commentary and he listed a couple of characteristics of the father that, that he noticed and he wrote about him. He said that he, 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 he looked in this story and he sees the father with eyes of mercy. Everyone say eyes of mercy. And he, 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 he said that because when his son was coming down the road, he was still, it says he was still a long way off. And his father saw him. His father was waiting for his son to come home. The father, our father in heaven, he knows you today. Maybe today you're still hiding away from God. Maybe you're in church, but church is not really, really in you. Maybe you're going through the motions, but you're still far off in a distant land, living another kind of life, just attending church. The Father's eyes of compassion are watching you, and as soon as you make a slight turn and start heading toward home in your hearts, He's on His way to grab you. He is filled with eyes of compassion. Compassion. He has bowels of mercy. He was moved with compassion. The deepest part of the father was moved when he saw his son. He saw his son in rags. He saw his son looking sickly and, 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 and weak and poor and skinny from not being fed properly. And this father looked at his son, and he was moved on the inside. He looks at you, and he looks at the situations you've got yourself in. Some of the stuff that we have, maybe it's health stuff, or or maybe it's financial stuff. A lot of the stuff that we get ourselves into, we got ourselves into it. Oh yeah, we did. I can't tell you how many people have major physical problems because they're not taking care of their bodies. It's going to get quiet in here. You know, it's, 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 and it's, it's, but what does that mean? God's going to forsake you? No, as soon as you recognize, as soon as you recognize and turn toward Him and say, Father, Father, I've messed up. I've messed my, my body up. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost and I've messed it up. Father, I turn back to you. And as soon as you do, He comes with His bowels of compassion and He loves you and He pours His love upon you and He heals you and restores you and makes you whole. He has eyes of compassion. He has bowels of mercy. He has feet of mercy. He ran with all his might. He lifted up, it says in here, he lifted up his gown. What a picture of this, this wealthy farm farmer lifting up his gown. The servants had never seen this man act like this. He lifted up his gown and he began to run. My son was lost, but now he's coming home. He didn't even wait to hear what he had to say. He ran He has feet of mercy. He is quick. Our Father is quick to move toward you. just begin to glance toward Him. And there He is, with arms wide open. You make one step to make it right. Make one step toward the Father's house to open your heart and say, Father, I've sinned. He's always been reading your mail. And He's got His eyes on you. Not with judgment, but with feet of mercy. And his, 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 His eyes of mercy reaching out to you. Yeah, and it says he had, Matthew Henry also notices his, his arms of mercy. His arms of mercy. It says he, he fell upon his neck, it says. This past, the way this is described, it's awesome that it's described by Luke. This is Luke's gospel, and he used a word in, from the story to fall upon his neck, to embrace him. He used the same phrase describing what happened. In Cornelius' house. Remember what happened in Cornelius' house? The Holy Spirit came and fell upon the Gentiles for the first time. And the phrase that's used is the same phrase that's used here. It's the only two times it's used in the Bible. And it says that he, he fell upon and began to embrace. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. Woo! The Holy Spirit fell upon them. He fell upon, just like the father fell upon his prodigal son, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles and wrapped his arms of love around them. How long has it been? How long has it been since you felt the arms of the Lord surrounding you? You begin to make a turn toward him and he'll embrace you in his arms of compassion. He'll hold you to himself. It's the place of safety. It's the place of rest. It's the place of protection. It's the place of joy. It's the place you've been looking forward to in his arms of love. And, he, and, and Henry also said he had lips of mercy. He began to kiss his son. His son who had been living with the pigs His son that smelled like one of the pigs. His son that even was living like one of the pigs. He held him and he began to kiss him. It's what Jesus does to us. He takes us in our mess and he begins to kiss us with his kisses and begins to restore us and touch us and change us and love us. Then he began to dress him. He said, bring out the best robe and put it on his feet a best on his body, put a, bring, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and serve the fatted calf. You know, I'm not gonna take time to describe all of these, these pieces of clothing because they're all powerful part of the story. But I wanna finish with just mentioning this one piece of apparel that the father put on the son. It was the robe. This robe is, this is not just any robe. He took off those garments of sin. He took off the garments of self-righteousness. He took off the garments of self-help and self-improvement. And he covered him with the garments of the righteousness of God that come by faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness that only comes by faith in the blood of Jesus. The righteousness that only comes when we can say in our heart, Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you be my savior? I've sinned. Would you come and help me? This garment, not only is it the garment of righteousness, it's the garment of Joseph. It's clothed with power. It's clothed with Holy Ghost power. So when we put this garment on us, it's not just a, a symbolic or type or shadow of some religious ritual that's taken place, but it's actually being clothed with, with God himself. It's the, it's the garment of Christ. It's the wedding garment. It's the Holy Ghost wrapped around us. Have you put on his garments? Have you been clothed with Christ, clothed with his anointing? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll have no occasion for the lust of the flesh. You'll put on Christ and his embrace. You'll be caught up by his love. So this is our Father. Our Father. Our Father. Our Father. He taught us to pray that way. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at victoryfellowship.net for service times and locations.